Welcome to Witch Talks, the series for spiritual seekers, witches, and enlightened souls. I'm Hannah the Suburban Witch, professional tarot reader, astrologer, and witch, and I hope you're ready to get up close and personal with your favorite witches. Hello, I'm so glad you're here, and I hope you are having the most magical day ever today. We are going to be chatting about the wheel of the year, but not as you know it. I'm going to invite one of our previous guests from the podcast on again to chat about adapting the wheel of the year for your personal wheel. This will be a particularly perfect episode for those of you who live a transient lifestyle, a fly in, fly out style lifestyle, style lifestyle. That was kind of fun to say. You should try it for people who don't live in the Northern Hemisphere. Or even if you do, if you live somewhere where it is always winter or you're closer to the equator, like this is the episode for you when your seasons don't really match up with the traditional year. But even if they do, you are going to get so much out of this episode and how to make your wheel of the year even better than it currently is. So just to rehash, the wheel of the year as we love and know it these days was only really crafted in the mid 20th century. Like it's not that old. (laughs) Basically British neo-pagans combined the four solar events, which are called the quarter days marked by a lot of people over in Europe. And they combined them with four seasonal festivals, which we call the cross quarter days, which is sometimes celebrated by insular Celtic peoples. Many Wiccan folk use the term Sabbath to refer to each of these days or festivals. Some people will only celebrate the solstices and equinoxes, which are those quarter days. Other people pick and choose. Some stick with traditional dates. Others go with the actual astrological dates. It's it's just really a free-for-all with the, with the wheel of the year as it is currently. So I want you to really just be like, okay, pat yourself on the back and say it's okay to not be a perfect witch all the time and follow this thing that was really only created last century. So without further ado... Let's jump on in to this episode, which remember, if you want to hear more of the chit chat with me and my guests, the before and the after and all the fun stuff we talk about, then you'll probably want to sign up as a society member. The Suburban Witches Society is my private membership group. It is hosted on my website. It is top notch, amazing, easy to navigate and so, so, so fun and witchy and spooky and all that jazz. Seeing as the day this episode comes out is Valentine's Day. This month's resource in the society group, along with you get obviously the behind the scenes of the podcast, but you also get resources. And this month's resource is some tarot spreads for love, just to be on theme, because I'm a sappy romantic like that. So check it out. And at the same time, you can get extra amazing Witch Talks content way before anybody else. All right. Now for our episode. In this episode, I am chatting with Kat Borealis a geologist, lifelong pagan, and the host of Borealis Meditations, which is a nature science podcast that has been going on for over 10 years. Kat was previously on the Witch Talks podcast back in season one, episode three, is one of our very first guests, and I'm so excited to have her back on the show today. Today, we're going to be diving deeper into the topic of the wheel of the year, so let's get into it. Kat is joining us all the way from New Zealand this time, whereas last time you were I think you were in Southeast Asia Asia when we filmed, but living in Hawaii, maybe? I can't quite recall. Do you remember? I I was, oh, 
Well, I was living in Southeast Asia for the last few years. So I was probably there, Mm -hmm. but my, yeah, but for me, Hawaii still feels like home. So yeah. 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 And how long have you been in New Zealand now? Uh, About a year and a half. Yeah. And are you loving it or is it very different? Like, how's it feel? I don't know how to put this. It's it's like same, same, but different. Like it's so where I'm at is so similar, like climate-wise to where I grew up. And culturally it's really similar. So it doesn't feel that different until all of a sudden it does. And you're like, oh wow, I'm in a different country. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the complete opposite in terms of seasons and time of year as I, well. I absolutely I decided that it's for me, it's easier to think it's a different month than think <laughs> it's a different season. I can't. I, for some reason, I'm having a really hard time separating the seasons from the months that I grew up with. So that's been a real challenge, a real challenge. So now I'm fully in the Southern hemisphere as opposed to being on the equator and everything is, is, yeah, it's, it's still really confused. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's funny when I went and lived in Canada, I didn't have that confusion because for me, it just mimicked everything I'd seen on TV my entire life and all of the you know, Christmas was a white Christmas. So suddenly it was exactly what all the songs were saying. So it didn't feel weird in a way, even though it was totally different to what I'd grown up with, but I can imagine doing the opposite is trickier. It's trickier. I've been trying to figure out how to kind of adjust to it. And so I started just telling myself it's a different month and that seems to be helping because I, it, it should be winter right now and it's mm-hmm. not, but mm-hmm. in a way that's kind of normal for me. Cause I've lived in you know Hawaii and Southeast Asia so I haven't had a winter in a long time but when it gets cold when it's supposed to be hot then I'm like what is going on (laughs) yeah and it gets it gets fairly cold over in New Zealand I haven't been over there myself but uh, I have a lot of friends so yes um now I wanted to start by pulling a card now I normally pull a tarot card for my guests and I want to do something a little bit different based on our theme that we're doing today so what I've done, this is this is a deck called Tarot of the Sorceress, and it's about the Witch's Wheel of the Year. Ooh. But what they've done, they've associated certain cards with the different Sabbaths. And look, it's not it's not my favorite deck just because they have changed elements of the tarot in ways that don't fully make sense to me, but that's okay. Not all decks have to be my favorite. Um, but what I've done is I've actually just pulled out the cards that relate to the Sabbaths only instead of using all the cards, right? So I'm just going to do a very random shuffle with like eight cards, (laughs) which feels really weird. And then spread them out. And we're just going to pick one. And I want you to just talk about maybe that Sabbath and what that means to you. Okay. So let's have a look. We'll just start off strong with that. So we're going to go with this one. All right. So, oh, we've got the Empress, the Empress card, which I believe, and I'm going to pull out the little book here just because it is, it doesn't say it on there, which one they've associated i'm pretty sure it's beltane uh yeah the empress is beltane so beltane uh how does that sabbat fit in with you and your wheel of the year and what sort of things do you like to do around beltane what do you have to talk about on that topic ah okay i I like this so i guess one of the things that that i always emphasize is you know for me the big holidays that I celebrate are kind of the solar ones. So, Mm -hmm. you know, equinoxes and solstices and the other ones, I kind of, I'm I'm a big fan of combining things and making things fit into your life schedule too. And not, you know, like not forcing yourself to do something. So for 
a long time, you know, Beltane was kind of spring, early summer. And especially um, when I lived in Hawaii, there's a big May 1st holiday called Lei Day where everyone wears leis. And so it's always been like a flower festival for me. When I was little, we used to make little paper baskets, put flowers in them and like leave them on people's porches and like ring the bell and run away. So cute. I really, I really like that idea of just like giving flowers and, and it's very joyful to me. It's weird switching it to a different oh, month. Yeah, October 31st, which is your yeah. usual Halloween. <laughs> exactly. And Halloween is like such a big deal especially for americans i've mm. i have decided that the the best example to talk about you know things being different when you take them out of their context is halloween in any country but the us like mm-hmm. there's just something about halloween in the us that is completely different so yeah i have a really i'm having a really hard time adjusting with that um yeah. and then when i lived in so i've also lived in alaska so i've i've kind of done a lot of extremes and that's when I kind of started changing the way I did my wheel of the year is because May, you're still kind of coming out of winter. Mm-hmm. So you're not quite in that like summer flowery spirit yet. You're still kind of like emerging. And so it's it's had very different meanings for me in different places that I've lived. Um, but I definitely do associate it with flowers and, mm-hmm. you know, flower garlands, um, giving people flowers and yeah, just really joyful and fun and hanging out with I'm I'm a very big like hang out with your community on holidays person. So basically yeah. that's what I do for every single one. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That's what I wish I could do. I don't have as many witchy friends around here because again, I'm also someone that moves around a lot and then yeah, kids and schedules and all of that. But it's something I would love to incorporate more of. It's funny when I was in Canada around that time, again, it also wasn't spring summer feeling yet it wasn't really yeah. warm we would have around that time usually it depended on the, the individual snow season we'd have the slush cup which is when all the snow has started to turn to slush and they do this big like a pool of slush and you snowboard or ski into it and people wear ridiculous outfits and land in a big like slushy pile of gross brown snow that's melting but it was really fun to snowboard in that type of snow instead of the powder it, yeah, it was like for people that drink slopies, it was like snowboarding in a slopie. It was weird, but also really fun. <laughs> yeah, and the texture is just so different, and it's so weird differently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So you're right. the The wheel of the year, as it's created, is so unique to really just a couple of really specific places in the world, and everyone else has to really make it into their own did you do anything specifically to mark those points around the year when you were in like the equator areas of the world where there is no seasonal changes in so the usual sense yeah yeah so what i found really interesting so um you know when i lived in hawaii i was living on a farm and so we had an agricultural calendar it was very different from you know the the traditional one because the growing seasons were so different i was on a coffee farm And then when I lived in Singapore, it's heavily influenced by the fact that it's a minority Chinese culture and they usually go by lunar calendar. Mm -hmm. So I came up with a a system and I do have works um, spreadsheets and things on my website for this, but I kind of started doing this thing where I take the year and I look at 
you know, what the holidays are. And I usually also try to incorporate kind of national and local holidays too, because those are days that you already have off. Mm -hmm. And then think about like things that are going on locally. So, you know, where I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, we had like a tulip festival. And so that was always a big thing during the year. Um, And then in Alaska, we had this breakup So that was when the ice would break up on the river and there was always kind of a big celebration. And then in Hawaii, we had, you know, like the coffee harvest. And then in Singapore, you have like, just like specific months that are different things. And they would, you know, they would be like the mid autumn festival and you're like, yeah, but it's ridiculously hot. But, (laughs) you know, like there's traditional foods that you eat for those months. So I found that I kind of tend to try to look at what the local calendar is and the local seasons are. And while I do stick to solstices and equinoxes, everything Mm -hmm. else is super fluid for me. And it just really depends on where I am. And I'm still learning the calendar here where I am. But what's been really interesting is I'm a member of the Order of Bards, Ovates, and Druids. And we actually have quite a big grove here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And so I'm a member of a group for the very first time, which has been really an interesting experience. And so we celebrate the traditional wheel of the year. And I've just found the thing I like about it is that it's evenly spaced. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's generally evenly spaced. And so you're, you're kind of your years divided into these equal sections. And then you always have this kind of like meeting and, you know, like community event to look forward to, you know, and it's, it's, usually it's far enough apart that you're like, oh man, I could really use some hangout time. And so that's been really nice. And this is also, I think, one of the first places that I've lived in a long time that actually kind of matches the wheel of the year. Mm-hmm. So like in the early spring, you know, um, I'm absolute horrible at names because the names of these, you know, the different <laughs> fire festivals change all the time. You know, I, it's just like when I started, it was one thing and then, you know, different names. And so the the, the early spring one. Yeah, um, well, the early spring so one will the, probably be um, Ostara. Yeah, yeah. So which is the spring there's, equinox. There's all these like images of like baby lambs. And yeah. I noticed when I was driving home from the ritual, like there were baby lambs everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh my God, it matches. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's funny when it does do that. It used to do that for me when I was down south in Victoria. So southeastern Australia, which yeah. is the colder part. But now that I'm in a subtropical environment closer to the equator, it really feels very similar all year round. Like I've noticed, you know, at some point that the wattle comes out and I'm like, okay, well, that's one thing I noticed that that does change. Um, another point after Halloween, so after October 31st, which is Beltane, uh, here, that's when the birds get louder. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, birds are louder now. Okay, cool. We're heading into summer. Like it's these little type, they're smaller. You've got to be more yeah. uh, mindful. But one thing I have found, because here it's, whilst we do have the seasons, the four seasons, it is also kind of the the wet and dry sort of vibes as well yeah. as you get closer to that that tropical area. So what I often say to people is if you do live in a place that has a wet season and a dry season, find your midpoint of the dry season and your midpoint of the wet, and those are your solstice vibes. That's where you can sort yeah. of place them. Yeah. And the crossover point where it goes from wet to dry and dry to wet, they're your equinoxes. That's when it, it feels more even. And then you just, if you want to celebrate the other points, place them in between all of those. And you've got a, a unique year of the wheel of the year for yourself. Yeah. And when I lived in Singapore, you know, the, you know, it, this, the traditional seasons didn't really work. I and mean, it's one degree North. It is the equator, 
But we had two monsoon seasons and two inner monsoon seasons. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the way I started thinking about it was not, you know, winter, spring, summer, fall, but monsoon, non-monsoon. And each monsoon season had a specific kind of climactic impact. And so, you know, one was wind and dry and the other one was wet and rainy. And it was because they were the monsoon systems in the different oceans. Mm -hmm. So not necessarily directly above us, but, you know, that's the, the whole big systems that work in the ocean. And those, that was the dominant climate pattern. And Mm -hmm. so I think it is, yeah, really important to know what your dominant climate pattern is where you are. And then you can kind of, once you see that, you can, you start to notice these differences. And I think that there's a big difference between say, um, never winter and always summer. That's mm-hmm. what I say it is. It's a, there's a big difference between those two and the changes get more subtle, kind of the more, the less variation you have in temperature, you have to notice different things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, I think it's a really good exercise. And I also think it's a really good exercise to kind of track these things too, because as our climate warms in general, globally, these things Mm -hmm. are going to shift. And so you will start seeing some changes in those, and it might just be earlier or later, or it doesn't get quite as hot or it gets colder. And so you'll, if you pay attention to those things, you'll start to notice those changes and you can start to adapt to those changes for where you are. So maybe you need to shift your planting season or, you know, maybe you're going to get more frost where you are, you know, and really start to see how you need to adjust things because it might get a little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I think because I work so closely with the earth, I don't put as much emphasis or stress on myself for making certain dates. Like to me, it's not that important. Because I also, as a geologist, you work in deep time. So I'm used to thinking in, you know, recent is 10,000 years. So like, if I miss it by two days, like that's really not that much. So I think that is kind of the big impact that it has on me. But also looking at a lot of the anniversaries that I celebrate have to do with large geologic events. Um, So specifically, I always celebrate Mount St. Helens Day, which I made up. It's just the day Mount St. Helens erupted, but I call it Mount St. Helens Day. It is is in my calendar as Mount St. Helens Day. And, you know, to me, because that eruption was so important in kind of where I ended up in my career, it's a day that I just celebrate. You know, it's it's, it's hard because eruptions aren't necessarily a happy thing, but at the same time, you know, different, you know, science can move forward one event at a time sometimes. And so it's important, I think, to commemorate those events and, you know, the work that people put into them and, you know, also celebrate, you know, the impact it's had on your life. So, you know, for me, that's my calendar is sprinkled with things like that. I love the idea of crafting personal holidays and momentously little occasions for yourself based on your own life basically i think that's wonderful there's a picture that was going around the internet for a while and it was someone who said their dad had told them that the day after thanksgiving was international sandwich day international big sandwich day and you had to use all of the leftovers to make the biggest sandwich possible and it wasn't until this person grew up and went to university that they realized nobody else does this they were like oh are you excited for big sandwich day and everyone was like what are you talking about (laughs) 
I love that. Yeah. I mean, and families will have special days. And if you think about it, um, a lot of cultures have this where, you know, they may commemorate the anniversary of someone's death or, Mm -hmm. you know, birthdays of people that have passed on. And so everyone has those days that are really important to you. And I think it's really important to make sure that you include that in your calendar very purposefully, right? That day is not less important because it's not part of the official wheel of the year right? Mm. So those days are just, and maybe even more important to you. And so making sure that's why I put all of everything together into one calendar, because, you know, for me, there's, you know, work holidays, you know, sometimes there'll be like a specific day that you have, like maybe like a, a, a yearly party, you know, and that's really important or, um, national or local holidays that you really enjoy, you know, just because it's not a quote unquote religious holiday, it doesn't mean it's not important to you and doesn't mean it's not, you know, like it's, it's still a holiday. It's still an important day. And I think making sure that you remember that all the days can have the same importance Mm -hmm. and then um, also being like generous with yourself in terms of your schedule. So sometimes if there's a specific day that I want to celebrate, but I have a day off like three days later, just combine them. Yeah. You know, and then, so, you know, my, my husband and I have this habit of celebrating our anniversary whenever we're somewhere that we could, and it's nice, you know, (laughs) we just, we just decide, you know, like, wow, man, we're on this trip and there's this really nice restaurant. Today is our anniversary. Yeah. I love that. That's so cool. I, my husband and I, our anniversary is on the 31st of December. So it's a new year's Eve. We got married on new year's Eve um, because we wanted to always have a holiday the next day <laughs> so we could go out and do that. whatever we wanted. Uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about, um, and I love that just on that point, you mentioned being easy on ourselves because, oh, gosh, when I have a tradition, I can get very, um, what's the word? Hmm. Dogmatic yeah. about it? Yeah, very much so. Uh, like it, it has to be done. Like we've always done decorations on December 1st. It has to be that way. But in recent years, I've noticed that that really just, I mean, if we do it on December 1st, it means not the whole, the whole family might not be there or it doesn't become something we can all enjoy or my husband's away a lot or whatever's happening. And so I've started being a little bit more flexible about that. We put it up early this year because we had in-laws visiting and wanted to do an early Christmas with them. And that worked. And I was like, Oh, look at me go. I'm being so flexible. And this is wonderful. So you're right. A few days and that sort of thing. It's totally fine. Uh, but one thing I wanted to talk about, cause I know you make on the full moon, I think you make special moon cakes. Yes. I do. Do you, do you do anything like that? Or do you incorporate that or try and work it in with any of the, the will of the year dates as well? Um, so the story behind the moon cakes is that uh, when I moved to Singapore, I was introduced to mooncakes. And they are, if you've never had one, they are, oh my God, they're so good. They're so good. And there's a bunch of different varieties of them. They're usually lotus paste and they'll have like an egg yolk in them and then kind of a pastry on the outside. So there's a specific lunar month that you eat them in and Mm -hmm. and they're basically available just for that month. And so I took a class to learn how to make them. And the woman, she was so nice. And she was just like, well, unfortunately, you know, you're going to have to wait till next year to make them. And I was like, "Uh, no, no, I have missed out on mooncakes my entire life. No, I will make them whenever I want. And then I decided it was just perfect to do it for full moons. And so, you know, now it's just a special treat and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, something I look forward to. Um, But for me, big holidays are 
you know, that's something that I just make for me and my husband, but big holidays, I've really been focusing on community um, because this is, you know, yet another big move and it takes quite a bit of time to kind of settle into a place. And so since I have a grove here, I've really been focused just on, you know, making sure that I cultivate that community because it is so important. And I think especially we learned that, you know, in the last couple of years that, you know, personal connection is really important too. Mm -hmm. So um, the mooncake thing just kind of arose organically also probably because I was bored during COVID and Singapore was incredibly boring during COVID, but it's something that kind of stuck and it's fun. And again, if I am out and I, I, you know, I don't have a chance to make them that month and I don't, but I do Mm -hmm. try to make them because also they're delicious. (laughs) What is mooncake month? When is that? Is that with the new year, the lunar new year? I'm probably wrong, but I think it's the eighth month. So I think they're for the mid autumn festival. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But the, the lunar calendar changes around because the lunar calendar doesn't kind of match up with the year, Mm. but the seventh month I know is hungry ghost month, which I always really enjoyed in Singapore because people would put out, I would just, I was the ignoring, you know, neighbor who was just like peering around corners being like, what are you doing? doing? (laughs) This is so cool. They put out these amazing things um, for the dead. And then they would have these huge pallets where they would burn money, you know, fake money Mm. for the dead. And they, they, during COVID, there was this photo going around of someone burning like a paper mask for their ancestors and they'll burn like paper cars and things. It's just, Mm. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's kind of like a day of the dead, like a Dia de los Muertos. It is. It is. And so, you know, and like I said, you know, I was a lot more, I worked a lot more with lunar months when I lived in Singapore and now I'm switching back to kind of a solar calendar. Mm -hmm. And Um, that's what that pretty will of the year really is. It's a solar calendar. Yeah, exactly. And I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure it's the eighth month. So it's usually in the autumn. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so fascinating. Uh, I was gonna. I had another thought that went through my head before I brought up the mooncakes. Now I've lost it. <laughs> It'll come back to me. It'll come back to me. Um, oh, that's it. No, it came back to me. <laughs> that was quick. With your with your grove, your druid grove, is that what I yeah, would refer to it's it a as? Druid grove, yes. So, what sort of things? do you find yourselves doing? Do you just throw a big party, have a bonfire? Does it change every Sabbath? What sort of things do so, you guys do together? Um, it's it's a, actually a quite established grove that's been around for a very a, quite a long time, especially in terms of Obad. Um, and we're quite large. Um, we can sometimes get upwards of 30 people that come. And we generally do a ritual and we trade off who designs and runs the rituals for each holiday. And they're loosely based on the ones that Obad has, but we kind of make our own too. And they're very much also tailored to New Zealand um, and Aotearoa. And we've included a bit of um, like Maori traditional practices as well. And then we generally have a potluck afterwards. Um, it also aligns really well with Maori practices where you create sacred space and then afterwards to kind of ground yourself, you would have food and exchange mm-hmm. food. So we do that. And then we have an food and we exchange songs and poems and stories. And it's just, it's just such a wonderful time to just sit and be with each other and be like, I found this cool poem I want to share. Uh, so that's, 
it's really wonderful. It is, it is a really wonderful, you know, kind of activity. And, you know, it may be that for one holiday, we do a ritual that just doesn't really resonate with me very much, but being there with people, I think is the more important thing. I also find sharing food is really important. And I kind of love the, the, the potluck aspect of it. It just, it's to me, that's really special. And, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone there is just so wonderful. I've been, I'm really thankful that they're here. So can you tell for anyone who's listening that may not know about it, tell everyone what OBOD is? So OBOD is the Order of Bards, Ovates, and Druids, and it's an international group. It is centered in the UK. Um, I don't know that much about the history, but they have kind of correspondence-based classes. So you would sign up for a grade. So for example, the first one is Bard. You do Bard, Ovate, and Druid, and they send out um, packets that are, you can do them weekly, or if you're like me, instead of it taking a year, it takes you seven. <laughs> um, and it's, it's a, it's a structured course to go through and everyone is given a mentor as well. And it's, it's very much, um, a balance between neo-paganism and reaching back into the roots and into the past. And it, it really, I think also emphasizes finding how you are in your community and how you can give back to your community. For me, at least, it's not really dogmatic. It's very kind of loosey, like kind of loosey goosey, like most mm-hmm. things are, but you know, there, there is kind of the, the generalized structure that it has, but, um, and if you're interested, I think it's, I'm going to get this wrong on it. It's like druidry.com, I think. Um, but if you just search for Obod, O-B-O-D, it should come up. Druidry.com. Let's see what that. That's I can't be reached. I might have spelled that wrong. <laughs> Obod. Oh yeah. If you just put Obod into Google, it comes straight up. Yeah, it is druidry.org. Oh, dot org. Dot org. Okay. <laughs> yes. Dot org. The reason I like it is when you're when you're self-paced, you know, and self or as we used to call solitary, you are guiding yourself. And when I get a new packet and I open up the next lesson, I don't know what's going to be in it. And so it may be something, and usually it is something that I needed at that moment. I, I, a lot of the times use cards as a way to kind of like maybe break me out of, I call them like thought ruts. So like mm. when you get stuck in an idea. And so it's, it, to me, I liked the structure of having a course to go through and um, also kind of that it brings in things I may have not thought to bring in, which I found really useful um, going through it. But, you know, I mean, I've been practicing basically my whole life. So it was like, none of the material was new, but it was it was like, oh, I haven't thought about that in ages. Oh mm. yeah, I should totally do that again. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. Well, I wonder if there's, there might be some people out there that are like, oh, I want to look into this now. That's really cool. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Is there anything scientific that you bring to your wheel of the year? I know you said you've got your Mount St. Helens Day, but there's, is there anything else that I guess your scientific nature science mind brings to the way you celebrate these these pagan festivals? Yeah, so I think maybe what might be a little bit different is that um, I go on astronomy websites and I mm-hmm. look for, so what I have is a list for the year basically of like, this is the exact time you know, in universal coordinated time that we switch 
and the solstices. This is the exact time of the equinox. So I have that in my calendar and I can look Mm -hmm. down and see exactly what time it is. But I'll also look for things like if there's a specific comet or any meteors coming in. And so I really try to tune into that science and the work that they're doing and, you know, cool things that are happening in the sky. Um, Because normally, of course, the time that I have free is at night. So, Mm -hmm. you know, to me, that's a time that I can go outside, look at the sky and be like, oh, look, that's really cool. I didn't, you know. And when I lived in Hawaii, we could go up and they had telescopes set up a lot. And so you could go up and if you knew planets were out, you could go and see the planets through the telescopes. And so I do use a lot of that information, just kind of leaning on, you know, meteorologic agencies and, you know, their weather models and things like that. You don't have to ignore it. You know, like it doesn't have to be a separate thing. You can use the data driven side to kind of inform you. You can use your own observations and then look at the data driven side and see what the models are saying for that year and then see if that aligns. The thing with things like weather models and stuff is that the the atmosphere is incredibly complicated. And so there's a lot of parameters at play. And so it's very difficult to get one model that works well. So what I like to do is look at multiple models, kind of an ensemble approach, uh, and use all of those together um, and then also have my own observations. So I think because I'm an observational scientist, I tend to do that. And then if I'm celebrating a holiday for a few years and I just don't really feel it, um, I will just drop it. Mm. you know and then if I and if I'm you know somewhere new, I'll bring it back in, see if it's right for me then. Yeah, taking the science and the exact times of things and what the models are saying the year is going to be um, and kind of including that kind of very scientific, precise approach so that, you know, it's in my calendar, it's in my Google calendar with the exact time so that, you know, if it switches because of whatever time zone I'm in, I know exactly what time it is. Oh, that is clever. I like that aspect of if you put it in your calendar and you know when you're changing time zones, it's still going to be relevant. That's really cool. Equinoxes and solstices are also very much a physical phenomenon that happens. And so, and same with full moons, right? They have a specific time when they peak. Mm. And so that's kind of where the science comes in for me is all those calculations that go into what exact time that is going to happen every year. Mm. And so I always make sure to, at the beginning of the year, get my list for the year. And then I know what's happening, you know, each month, you know, is there eclipse? Is it, somewhere I can view it, you know, because mm-hmm. there may be an eclipse. I think there's, there's an eclipse this year, yeah. but they're all like on the other side of the planet. I won't be able to yep. see them. Yeah. Uh, every year, every year when I look up and do my planners, I look at the eclipses and eclipse season and everything. And I'm like, Oh, another one. I can't see another one. I can't see They're They're often on the other side of the world, which is frustrating. Yeah. You know, if there's something weird, I also love checking space weather sometimes. Yeah, because you know sometimes there's big solar flares and they can um they they can disrupt things like communications with satellites and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And so you're like something weird's going on. I'm gonna check the space weather. <laughs> but that's always kind of a fun thing to do. So I I tend to do that. With your planning out of your year when you go and find out all of the the solstice dates and those sorts of things. So is that like a ritual that you end up doing before the year starts and you go and look at all of the dates you want to put into your calendar, or does it just sort of happen as you think of it? How do you go about your process of planning your year? So usually every couple of years I will sit down um, and I've done this as a workshop before as well, where I will sit down and I will go through kind of the different steps of things and then map them out on a calendar, a traditional Gregorian calendar. 
so that I can see where they fall in the year. So this will be things like the the seasons, if there is a season, um, because that might dictate when I want to take time off and spend time outside versus when it's going to be more indoor kind of activities. My work calendar is really important to put in there because that's, you know, my work is incredibly important to me in the first place. But this includes like days off. So when I'm going to have days off and if there's like a cluster of days off. And then any personal dates, any kind of um, local festivals that I want to put in. And I kind of put it all into one calendar just to see where things are at. And it changes when I move. And so I tend to give myself at least a year to settle into a place. So I'll probably start doing it again this year and then do it for maybe two years until I kind of get a hang of where I'm at. Um, So it's not something I do consciously every year, but I do make sure that I have specific things in my calendar and things like, you know, full moon times, solstice times, you know, equinox times, those are always in my calendar. Um, But sitting down and specifically looking at how the different things relate to each other, I would say I probably do it about every other year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I do it not ritualistically, but consciously, I guess is probably a better word where I sit down and I, I plan my year ahead Obviously, now that I'm making my planners, I do it earlier in the year to give myself yeah. time, but I used to do it in December. Uh, but now that I've you know, put it all on the planner, I use the traditional dates for the Wheel of the Year personally because, again, they don't change, so it makes it easier for me Yeah, putting it on a planner and all of that. Um, but for me, it also, the exact moment when it's the solstice or the equinox, I like to know that. I might look it up at the time, but... I also don't feel constrained by that exact moment because sometimes also it happens at bizarre hours and yeah. that sort of a thing. So I think the traditional ones there, it just, it gives me that, I don't know, like a, a tradition, if that makes sense. It's always sort of the yeah. same day, the same time of year that is really helpful to have on there. And I can sort of plan things if I want to, I don't celebrate every single one. Uh, I have chronic health issues. So I'm sometimes just compl- like, Oh my gosh, this, past Halloween Samhain, uh, well, Halloween here, Beltane time. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was knocked out. So usually what I do is I'll, I'll commemorate or com- commemorate, I guess I'll acknowledge Beltane, but then Halloween here feels just like a little party. If that yeah. makes sense. Like it doesn't, it's mm-hmm. not spiritual. Um, but that's like my favorite time of year. I'm like, oh my gosh, I get to go like training, do all this stuff. No, my body decided that was a great week to have a daily migraine every day. And I was like, but it's my time. <laughs> so I couldn't do anything at like, it was the absolute bare minimum to survive. And so that's fine. I just move on. That's okay. Doesn't matter. So uh, yeah, I think that has helped me be a little bit more flexible putting in just the traditional dates rather than the exact timings and things like that. Makes yeah. it easy to remember and that sort of a thing. Um, so when I do my my plan planner for the year, I'm putting in those traditional dates so that I can sort of work within them. I put in the new and the full moons because I personally love to work with those. I don't really care so much about the other moon phases except for the dark moon phase, which I do use frequently, but I know that's exactly before the new moon. So it's pretty easy to work out 
And the other thing I put in is Mercury retrograde dates. So when you said you're like, um, you know, looking at the the funky astral weather and the solar flares and things, I do that too, but I go, hang on a minute. And I quickly check my plan. I'm like, oh, it's Mercury retrograde. <laughs> so, you know, I now I know that those are coming up because I've pre-planned for them and yeah. have a blog post yeah. on them and all of that. But I swear every year it gets me, even, even with the notice, technology i've i've spoken before on the podcast i have lots of technology issues and they really ramp up during retrograde times yeah and i mean and that's an example of how you know while we're both really have a similar approach to our calendars we're we're focused on different things and Mm -hmm. and how it's yeah i mean it's it's totally i am i am a huge proponent of uh take that piece of paper that has the wheel of the gear burn it and make one that works for you yep like that's you know, it's, it's a guideline. <laughs> Do you have a favorite, a favorite Sabbath out of all of the, the, the equinoxes, the solstices, all of those times in the traditional wheel of year? Do you have a favorite one? I think it changes. Mm-hmm. I think it changes in terms of what I'm doing. Um, I mean, I love Halloween. Yeah. But I also feel like that's a cultural holiday too. Mm. You know, when I lived on Hawaii Island, on things like the the solstices i really enjoyed you know doing sunset you know sunrise on one side of the island and sunset on the other side of the island mm. um so that was always really fun i did that a couple of years that was super fun but it, yeah it really changes year to year kind of mm. what's been my favorite one and i think it has a lot to do with the seasons and what's going on but yeah i i can't say that i have a favorite my favorites like i like halloween is it fun sort of party idea here Samhain I do I do like to to go and visit the the graves of you know my loved ones and and tend to them and clean them and uh sit with them and share a meal that sort of thing so I I try and do that around Samhain time here every year but I think this the winter solstice is my favorite and the solstices themselves are, are my main ones that I try not to miss if at all possible so the winter solstice we have a family tradition now where we have a winter solstice candle and we light it for the 13 days prior leading up to it and every night we'll light it at sunset and leave it on for an hour or two and then the next day at sunset again so we're noticing that time when the sun's setting and how it's getting you know lower and lower in the day or sooner in the day we'll light that candle and then on the final day which is the actual winter solstice we let the candle burn the whole night i like that which is really fun and what we'll do is we'll sit around as a family we drink mulled wine so we make an alcohol free version for the kids and then yeah. we have our alcohol version and we drink that and we each get to tell a ghost story so oh i really like that it's really fun my daughter has written about it in like little school projects that's her favorite like family tradition and i'm like oh okay that's the one we keep forever whereas the summer solstice it i don't know it doesn't cozy things have more of a vibe i think sometimes and the summer solstice here is just before christmas so we kind of really just combine them together and just go sort of outside dinner party mode right yeah summer solstice growing up was always really fun because we we were kind of in a um a little bit of a community when where i grew up and we would always have like a big we would kind of spend the whole day at a park and mm-hmm. it was a potluck barbecue. And then we would maybe, you know, some years it depended on where we went, which park we were at. We'd have like a huge bonfire on the beach and just everyone would just be hanging out. You know, the kids would be just running around crazy, but it was all about 
community and being together and enjoying each other's company. And there was nothing like set to do. We just spent the day together. And so Mm. growing up, that was definitely one of my favorites. That was just so much fun. And so I think because of that, the community aspect is really important for me. Mm. And so I like to make sure that I'm around friends. If, if, you know, if I don't do anything special, I at least go out with friends for lunch or something like that. I try to make a concerted effort to, that it's a community day. Like to me, that's the important aspect of most of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's something I'd really like to bring more of into my own practice is the community aspect, especially after the, the pandemic where everything became solitary by force basically. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then afterwards, um, having young children, moving states, trying to get the hang of school and all of those sorts of things. Yeah. Maybe I can just throw something, be like, Hey, come over. We're going to celebrate the solstice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to do a ritual every time, but I think the community part is the important part. Yeah, I do think a lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves to do yeah. something big or to, cause you see on, you see on Instagram and things, people do these fancy altars and like, there's small things I think that we put pressure on ourselves. Like, you know, redecorating the altar making sure that you do something on the exact day but Mm -hmm. it's again at the end of the day that's not really the important part if that makes sense Mm -hmm. you know it's more the the part behind it that's important for me i find that the importance is just the marking the movement forward through the year and seeing the cyclical patterns for me that's what i think is really wonderful about it having that reminder to take a step back and spend time with people and not think about work. <laughs> you know, it's really, to me, that is the most important part is, is you, you're working that time into your schedule mm-hmm. so that you take a step back, you do something completely different. It's a very big change from the environment I'm normally in. Mm-hmm. It's like so, sacred connection. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also because I move so much, you know, I think you know this too, like when yeah. you move, it can be really lonely. Yeah. And so- I think it's really shown me how important community is. And so I think that's the most important part of the holidays for me and the, Mm. you know, the different days is, is that taking time to be with people and Mm. making that a priority, because I know that that's something I don't always focus on because I'm very focused on my work. Um, it's also just a reminder throughout the year. And I like that it's an evenly spaced reminder that that is important. And I have decided that's important and it is something I need to do. You could pick, you know, it could be something else for anyone, you know, if there's something else that's really important. And if you just tie it to those days, then it reminds you to do that. I think that's why I fostered so much community online. I've really jumped into things like discord servers. I think they're a fantastic source of community. I've, as everyone knows, I've got my Word Witches. If you're a writer, jump onto Word Witches Discord. Um, then I've got my my membership that I have. So we have, you know, monthly calls and that provides that element of that witchy, similar worldview and spiritual worldview yeah. camaraderie that that I need no matter where I go in the world. So Yeah, I, I found a Discord channel, a Discord group that I really like too. And that's been mm-hmm. really helpful. And, you know, it, it's a group where you can kind of drop in and drop out. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's still always someone around. Yeah. And I think it's, it is really important to have a, a group online too. And, you know, mm-hmm. it could be a mix of people that, you know, online and offline, mm-hmm. but it, it is, I think, really important to have that. And 
I've just really been noticing now that I have a little bit more in-person community, just how much I was missing it. Yeah. Yeah. I had in Perth. That was one thing I loved. I had a moon circle and we went every full moon and we spent time to it together. And then I left and then it was the pandemic and then it was just nothing. And there's not really yeah. been anything since. So it's definitely something something to bring back in. I will note though, in Western Australia, there is a, a separate seasons calendar that is a First Nations calendar. It has six seasons throughout the year rather Ooh. than the standard four. So that's really interesting to to look at and work with. I haven't found any others that have been easily accessible to find around the rest of Australia. That seems to be the most documented one when you look it up, uh, but it obviously changes depending on, we have so many different climates throughout Australia. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for chatting yeah. with me today. This has been wonderful. I'm sure this has hopefully shaken people up a bit around their view on the wheel of the year and that it doesn't have to be what everyone else seems to be doing and it doesn't have to be the very UK-centred version no, of the wheel of the absolutely year. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Be nice to yourself. Make it your own. Yes. <laughs> be kind and be flexible. <laughs> yes. All right. So before we go, where can people find you and support you and follow along with you and your work? Um, so I have a website that is catborealis.com. That's kind of where I keep everything um, for, and especially the podcast, all my archived stuff is on there. It, it just sends me an email and then I approve it if you want to listen to it. Uh, my new episodes are streaming, I think, everywhere that you can find podcasts. They're a little sporadic, but um, they, they come and go. And then I'm on mostly Instagram these days, although I do also have a Blue Sky account and I'm on everything as Cat Borealis. Awesome. Perfect. Well, I'll pop all the links in the description box below for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you enjoy your wheel of the year in whatever way you want to celebrate it as we go forward. And if you have any questions for either of us, feel free to jump out. We're both on you know, social media and happy to respond around stuff like this, especially. All right, Kat, you have a lovely day. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will chat with you next time. Oh, my goodness. Wasn't that so fun? I hope you got so much out of that. I know I did. I'm going to be incorporating so many extra days and making them special and just really being flexible with myself on when I celebrate and what I celebrate and all of that jazz. Particularly as somebody with a disability, I think that flexibility is really, really necessary. And it's something I sometimes struggle with. I get very dogmatic about a lot of things in life. That could be my neurodivergence part coming out, but I don't physically always have the spoons necessary to, to do those things. And that's okay. That is okay. If you are a spoony witch too, it's okay. Now, Kat actually has some worksheets that she's created for you guys. Well, it, it's like a design your own wheel of the year worksheet. So it's localized and personalized. She also did a workshop on this whole topic on the Winding Way Discord server, which has a worksheet and reference sheets as well. I've linked all of that in the description box for this episode if you want to find it. If you haven't already, I would absolutely adore it if you could hit the little five-star button on whichever app you are using to listen to this podcast. And if you're over on YouTube watching us, then hit the like and subscribe. It means the world to me. I look forward to chatting with you next week as we answer another Hannah Help Me question. So have a wonderful day wherever you are in the world today, and I'll chat with you next time.